asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And he's Matt. Uh, and today we're talking work from home <laughs> or raise, taxes are a waste of time, and the worst way to travel. Sign me up for that worst way to travel. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, this is our Friday flight episode where uh, every Friday we look at the different headlines that uh, have come across our screens this past week and we talk about the different ways that they're going to impact your money. Uh, and Joel, before we kind of dive into the stories, we've been talking about the different vaccine incentives. Did you see that more states uh, are kind of unrolling these programs to, to make sure folks are getting vaccinated in their states? They're following in Ohio's footsteps. I love seeing that. Because yeah, which is, I didn't realize at the time, I guess we talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago, but it's called the Ohio Vaximillion, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I mean, honestly, one reason I love the Vaximillion is because we thought about uh, naming Westy instead of Westy, name, naming him Maximilian, which I think is such a, I don't know, it's kind of like this European old school <laughs> kind of name. I feel to, like he'd have to wear a bow tie if that was his name. 
<laughs> I don't think it would have fit our lifestyle, just the way we live life. We're super crunchy over here, but uh, I like that name in particular, the Ohio's program, yeah. Yeah, and, and I love seeing other other states following suit. Essentially, Maryland has Vax Cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, yeah, if, if your state is doing one of these vaccine lotteries, we love to see it. Like any way that we can incentivize people. We talked, re- was it last week, about incentives and how yes. incentives are the essence of behavioral economics. They make the and world go around, dude. If we can, if we can incentivize people properly, then we can get the right results. And I think, um, you know, with the goal being to vaccinate more and more of the country, let's get people excited about it and help them maybe be able to win money. Um, yeah, I love seeing kind of states taking this approach. New York's is called Vaccine Scratch, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand, you know, like the, you know, like the scratch offs kind of thing. Yeah. But like the Vax and Scratch, kind of like the combination of that, doesn't that kind of make you feel like you're, I don't know, like you're going to have a reaction to the shot? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little creepy. <laughs> kind of has like a negative connotation in my mind. But, uh, and also too, I saw that West Virginia, they're offering $100 gift cards I think to everybody, and that's going to be a retroactive deal as well. So basically, even though they're starting the program now, if you've gotten the vaccine and you can prove it, then you get that $100 gift card, dude. Love it. Love seeing that stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep reporting if, if more of those things pop up. But Matt, let's let's keep moving on. Let's get to the Friday flight. More yes. stories we found interesting this week and uh, and how they pertain to everyone's personal finances. And, and there's a lot to get to today. Uh, and the first story we want to talk about has to do with shopping. And Matt, we, we've all, of course, been doing more online shopping over the last 15 months. And many of our favorite small businesses have been hit hard by that, right? They, mm-hmm. A lot of our dollars have been going to some of the bigger online retailers and fewer of those dollars going to some of the the small businesses that we know and love, partly because we did feel comfortable going into that small business, right? Well, Google is trying to help those small businesses out. I like seeing this. that They're set to highlight more small business offerings when you're doing your online shopping. Google just partnered with Shopify to make it easier for folks to discover millions of smaller companies and brands. So oftentimes when you're researching a product, you, you get maybe like Costco, Walmart, uh, whatever, like you know, Amazon. The, yeah. All the, that's <laughs> all we look at. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yes. All the biggest inter- internet retailers, like the, those are the first uh, ones you're going to see. But now if you own a small business and you use Shopify, there's like a little um, opt-in thing you need to do on the back end of the website, but it's super simple to do that. And then the good news is that your stuff is going to appear alongside some of those major retailers, helping everybody, uh, small business owners and online shoppers discover you know, some of these great goods that small business retailers uh, who who have their goods posted online as well are offering. Yeah, so this is great for small businesses because essentially it levels the playing field, right? It allows them to get in front of online shoppers without having to fork out tons of money on advertising. Yep. Uh, and these small businesses don't have the kind of advertising budgets that some of these larger companies do. Yeah, uh, they, they just get like squashed, basically. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, not just the online companies, but just the online marketplaces as well. I mean, they're also pushing their products uh, pretty hard. But this is also good for online shoppers because, I mean, it makes it a little more fun, right? If you're being delivered results that aren't just the typical results, right, from Amazon or Walmart. I mean, literally, that's, I feel like, all we ever shop from when it comes to buying stuff online these days. But it seems like that the idea is for you to be able to discover unique goods. You're not just being fed the the standard wares that everyone is being fed online. The same good thread shirt that like eight people on your street yep. are already wearing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can actually buy something semi-unique. But I'm also kind of down with the idea of just not putting any thought towards, in particular, you, you mentioned clothes and like good thread. That's because I feel like I can kind of get behind just having 
having like white t- like literally right now I'm wearing a white t-shirt <laughs> just a plain white t-shirt with a pocket that's your Steve Jobs equivalent <laughs> outfit it's true yeah but I'm kind of a weirdo we don't need to go down that path <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really long episode if we talked about all the, <laughs> all the, the different ways that you're weird <laughs> it's true uh, yeah, let's talk about your right to repair there's a, a new report from the Federal Trade Commission that says that companies are making repairs too difficult for would-be DIYers folks like me who are looking to replace their screen on their old iPhone SE. And that report calls out companies in a lot of different spheres that are doing this from, uh, you know, smartphone manufacturers all the way to larger purchases that we'd make like car makers. And so for instance, some electronics, they use the the different specialized screws, uh, dedicated tools, right? So not your typical flathead screwdriver. Uh, And they just use other techniques as well that make it far more difficult to even try to repair your items like gluing things in place instead of having them be removable. So not being able to repair your your phone or your laptop or, or making it more difficult to fix your car, this creates more waste uh, and it costs us all money. And so, yeah, we're glad to see that the FTC is uh, shining some light on this. Yeah, I would love to see a shakeup in here because we all deserve to be able to repair the things that we buy a little bit easier. And when manufacturers are intentionally making it more difficult, that's super frustrating. Yeah. And so hopefully, yeah, this FTC report, you know, gains gains more light and uh, manufacturers start to react because, yeah, we talked about planned obsolescence back in episode 266. It's hard to read this report and then not be frustrated, right, about what manufacturers are up to. Uh, but, but yeah, I think, too, at the same time, Matt, there is light at the end of the tunnel because in that same report, it stated that 27 states have introduced right-to-repair legislation yes. since January of this year. So just in 2021 alone, a lot of states have kind of caught on to this. And if those get passed, uh, these laws are going to force manufacturers to offer customers access to the same information, the same parts, and the same tools that they give some of these authorized repair shops, um, putting the the power back in your hands, making it a little easier to perform some of those repairs to replace your own screen if you want, as opposed to taking it somewhere and uh, paying someone ninety a hundred dollars to do it you might be able to do it on your own for 15 to 20 which is yeah i think everyone deserves that right and it's going to save us all a lot of money by being able to repair our own things uh much easier that's right and it's not just our ability to uh, make repairs on our goods too but you know we're talking about somebody that's in between us doing it and an authorized retailer right so we're talking about as well third-party repair shops and when they don't have access to the right tools and the and the right parts you can often be stuck with paying full price from an authorized repair shop or then just tossing that good out. And, and that's when it can really affect those who can't afford a new item, right? Because yeah. instead of getting it repaired, or if it's just incredibly expensive to get it repaired because you can only go to an authorized shop, well, that might just total your phone. And you think, well, what's the point in spending, you know, 150 bucks to repair this thing when I could spend 200 and just get a brand new item? But even still, that's maybe 50 more bucks that you would rather not have spent. But you're kind of tempted to do that anyway because you're thinking, oh, may as well get the latest technology, right? Right, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on this because yeah. we want to see progress. <laughs> because yeah. we want to see some of these bills pass the state legislatures and in a lot of these states uh, it's going to make a big difference in all of our lives when it comes to being able to yeah repair those items that we love that just got like you know a little messed up yeah just that crack on the screen that's no reason to throw a phone away no not at all all right let's talk about taxes tax day was a couple or you know the delayed tax day was a couple weeks ago uh may 17th of course uh so we feel that now might be a good time to ask the question how folks feel about taxes uh just in general you know, you would you would assume maybe that most folks would respond negatively <laughs> when asked about taxes, but uh, yeah, the tax code it can be confusing. But in poll after poll over the years, folks seem to be fond specifically of the deductions that they receive. 
even if that means added complexity, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe how like everyone, you know, is okay with like their own Congress person, yet they dislike Congress in general, right, as a whole. The, the <laughs> disparity in those numbers is, is just often incredible. Like 80% of people love their own Congress person, but 11% of people you, like love Congress. And you think know? that they're doing a good job yeah. altogether, yeah. Uh, but a recent stat from the IRS reveals that the average American spends 11 hours filing their personal income taxes. I'm going to be honest, that feels like a lot of time. Um, you know, I don't mind paying my taxes, but it would definitely be nice if uh, we could make it a lot simpler and if it took a lot less time. I think that is something I think you're right. Like we don't have to get rid necessarily of all of the potential deductions, but simplifying taxes uh, for, for everyone's sake, I think would be really helpful. And, and actually, we have made tax day a little bit simpler for folks in recent years, thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that increased standard deduction, it means that filing taxes has become simpler for tens of millions of folks. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of folks don't have to itemize their deductions anymore. That's right. It makes it really chill <laughs> for just a, a good swath of the population to, to file their taxes, whereas it used to be more complicated. But there's still, I think, more that can be done to make filing taxes less frustrating and, and also to prevent them from sucking up so much of our time. It's that 11-hour number that just like... that. That feels like overkill. It's unnecessary. And in a lot of other countries, citizens are sent a form that's already filled out because basically, you know, their uh, central authority when it comes to taxation already has those numbers on you. They don't need you to fill them in and then send them their way. Uh, countries like Germany, Japan, and the UK use what's called an exact withholding system. That means citizens aren't spending hours filing their taxes. It's basically done for them because of the way, like I said, income reporting happens in those countries. And those pre-filled forms, uh, they not only cut down on the stress, uh, they uh, raise compliance at the same time. So if you're traditionally employed, the IRS has all this data. <laughs> like, why haven't we made it simpler like uh, many of these other countries? It kind of baffles me. And yeah, that, that seeing that number that it's 11 hours of people's time to file their taxes, like, why can't we get something like this going on? And uh, I would love to see it become easier, simpler, and take less time for everybody to file their taxes because we all know it's our civic duty and we're happy to do it. Just don't make me waste my time doing it. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm in favor of pre-filled forms, but I mean, some countries, I mean, there is no form that you receive, right? Like the, the tax is just calculated and like that, I, I'm not as much of a fan of, right? Like when it's a, like a sealed box <laughs> where you can't peer inside and you can't see kind of like where, like how things are calculated. I think that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons, again, going back to why Americans, why they like the current tax system is because when you're able to kind of work a little bit and you're essentially hunting down these deductions uh, and it feels good, you know, there's, it's, there's like a chemical release that happens in your brain when you're like, yes, <laughs> I get to pay the government less money. Uh, and so I do like the idea. Yeah, pre-filled forms. That sounds good to me. But I don't know if I trust the government. Like they're already deciding how much taxes I'm going to pay. But to allow them or even employers or businesses to calculate what your actual tax is and for you to not have any say or, or to be able to make any modifications or adjustments. Like, I guess that's the part of it that I feel like feels a little feels pretty big government to me. Yeah. I think I'm more of a fan of kind of working for those deductions as opposed to kind of like sitting back. You know, I, th I think I might like the more active approach versus, yeah, the kind of passive approach to, to taxes. There's got to be some happy medium. Though, yes, right? I agree, though. Yeah, I, I think, think there getting can that form, be ways for us to, to slim it down. Yeah, then being able to make some adjustments based on, you know, what the numbers that the that the government has reported on you, um, as opposed to starting everything from scratch on your end, there, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Do you feel like that you spent the average number of, of hours, 11 hours on your taxes? No, this but, I, but I also had someone file my return for me. So <laughs> that is 
money well spent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Paying for an accountant when you have more complicated taxes or when you own um, investment properties like we do makes a lot of sense. No doubt. All right, well, let's uh, move on, Matt. There was a really interesting story that listener Will shot over this week about investing. And uh, basically... Thanks, Will. <laughs> yeah. Big thanks, Will. I, we love it when people send us stories. Always. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, and Or a ludicrous headline of the week. If you found something crazy in the headlines, we'll get to that actually in just a second. But Will sent over the story that there are more 401k and IRA millionaires now than ever before. And that was according to a recent, uh, recent data from Fidelity. And Matt, I feel like that makes a ton of sense, right? Uh, I think anybody could have said, yeah, I, I would uh, imagine that there would be after kind of what the stock market's done over the last 11 years and particularly over the past year. Um, I'm really glad for, for all those newly minted millionaires. But I think the thing I found most interesting in this survey data that was even cooler is that 17% of workers increased their contributions in the first quarter of this year. Uh, so I think, you know, as we've seen the stock market reaching new heights, people are like, I need to be putting more money in the market. That's great, right? Because that increased savings rate is actually what's going to help those people become retirement account millionaires way more quickly too. Putting more of your money to work for you, that is what's going to generate more wealth. Yeah, that's how you become a millionaire, yep. right? Like uh, another stat in the survey was that the average 401k millionaire was setting aside at least 14% of their pay. So, you know, yeah, the stock market's incredible upward movement. It's, it's just like the wind being at your back. But the only way that you're going to join that record number of millionaires is through that high savings rate. It's not rocket science, <laughs> but it's interesting to see uh, those specific numbers. And, you know, that 14% number in, specifically, really tracks with what we've been telling listeners, you know, striving to invest uh, around 15% of your income is going to have a major impact on your ability to reach financial independence. You know, the less you spend, the more you're able to invest, the faster you're going to be able to achieve financial independence. That's a great thing. But you know, at the same time, there's there's more to life than just achieving financial independence. There is. There Gotta is. have that balance. That's right. Yeah. But 15% is a good number to aim for. I think lots of times we what we tell people is a good goal. That's what they shoot for. And if we tell them 10%, that's, that's what they're aiming for. But I think if 15% percent your target. That's a better target because yeah. you're going to be able to build financial independence more quickly. Um, and, and generally speaking, we just, I mean, we want our listeners to be above average. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like whatever average is, you want to be above average because, you know, you, you know what average looks like. You can look around at your neighbors, at your coworkers, uh, and what the average American has in debt, what they have in savings. We want to be better than average. Yeah. And, and not in a way like we're better than other people, no, but, but in a way that like, yeah, we want to save uh, and invest uh, like better than the average American because yes, yeah, we want to us in a better position. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's just about having different options available to you. Yeah. All right. Well, we got more stories to get to, Matt, including the worst way to travel. And would you rather continue working from home or get a big raise? We'll talk about that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. We're back and we are covering the different stories we've come across this week. This is our Friday Flight episode. And Joel, now it's time for our ludicrous headline of the week. Of the week. Of the week. <laughs> of the week. We just need to say that a bunch of times. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're getting better. <laughs> Uh, this week's ludicrous headline of the week comes from the Wall Street Journal, and the title of this article goes, The Olympian Who Turned a Profit on Her Wedding. <laughs> Dude, who turns a profit on their actual wedding? Ne- ne- never heard of that before. I so I had to read it. I heard like, of it either, yeah. What's the deal here? Uh, so this couple did. Uh, this is a cool story because the general belief is that weddings, right, that they need to cost 
a fortune these days. But, and I'm going to butcher her name, but her, uh, the subject of this article was Katura Orhi, I think is maybe how you say it. Or, yeah, probably. Or, but she will hopefully become the first American to medal in the triple jump in the upcoming Olympics. She set a strict limit of $5,000 for her small wedding last year. Uh, but she said that they, they actually stopped keeping track of what they were spending because they were so far under the $5,000 <laughs> limit, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, She's one of those examples of someone who... You know, we, we talk about how budgeting is important, but we have talked about there's a small sliver of people who don't necessarily need to budget. She might fit into that category. Oh, no, she needs to because she just needs to know what the bar is and then she's just going to blow it out of the water. I, I mean, know. if you're an Olympian, like, yeah. <laughs> you, you're you just wired that way, right? <laughs> you're just it's like crush every goal. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but... I really believe that uh, a smaller budget can help you, you know, get more creative and that uh, that can result in a, a ceremony, you know, a wedding ceremony that's even cooler. But you might be wondering, how do they actually make money on their wedding? They didn't sell tickets or, or anything like that. Uh, but the monetary gifts of their friends and family, that surpassed what they actually spent. So in, in essence, they, they kind of turned a profit, you know, by getting married, which is pretty funny. Pretty smooth, man. <laughs> pretty smooth. I like that. And th- th- yeah, it was a really cool story. And the article went into a lot of detail about Katura's thriftiness and uh matt oh, this is so good she went to your alma mater to yes. uga so i'm sure you already kind of were kind of like oh, i like her <laughs> I'm, I'm bonding with her already man. yeah she's yeah. cheap she went to uga all i could think you know reading the story was we got to have her on the show at some point <laughs> she seemed just super cool but yeah while running track at uga she would save the per diem that she got instead of spending it on restaurant food like you know probably her fellow athletes were doing spending all their per diem she was putting that away socking it away and instead of nights out in athens which is a fun town to go out in she would put together puzzles or play games with friends at home she would even her some of her friends would say uh were cited as saying that she would sit in the dark with the lights turned off to conserve electricity <laughs> <laughs> or she would like wrap herself Check. in a blanket instead of turning on the heat right Check. yeah <laughs> I feel like y'all are like... <laughs> These are all the cheap things that I do. Y'all are probably like uh, siblings separated at birth. I love it, yeah. <laughs> she also was like a, talked about how averse she was to name brands. I feel like I love everything <laughs> about about her. And yeah, we're going to be pulling for her hard oh, when absolutely. it comes to the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. And triple jump, just what a cool thing to do. Like, I mean, you have to be an incredible athlete to do the triple jump. So uh, yeah, just love that story. And I love too, just like what she was saying is that you can get married and have an awesome wedding for a whole lot less than you think you have to spend. Totally. Yeah, really inspiring story. And uh, it's gonna, yeah, absolutely. It's going to make me, everyone calls her KO, evidently. So it makes me want to keep an eye out for her, uh, to cheer for her whenever the Olympics actually do happen. For sure. Year. But uh, all right, Joel. So let's talk about working from home. Would you prefer to uh, keep working from home, assuming, you know, if, assuming you had a standard corporate nine to five where you had to go into the office? Would you rather be able to continue working from home, you know, the flexibility that a lot of folks have had this past year, or get a huge raise? So I would come down on the side of raise, but only because, I like love working with my coworkers, seeing them in person. It's that kind of thing. I miss that environment. Yeah. Like um, being around lots of folks. I mean, let's be honest, you're just stuck with me <laughs> down here now that we're full time doing the podcast. It's a little humdrum some days, you know? <laughs> no, but I will say too, if I had like a really long commute, I would easily choose work from home. Yeah. Because commutes to me, yeah, we talked about a long, long time ago how your commute is killing you. And that's just, that's just reality that commutes are awful for us mentally, physically. And uh, I think if you have an hour plus commute or a 45 oh minute commute, gosh. I would definitely take the work from home. I hear you, dude. Yeah, that was a that was a subject of an interesting survey that we saw recently. Over three thousand employees of some of the largest companies were asked whether that they would prefer getting a thirty thousand dollar raise uh, or be able to continue working from home. And the results were <laughs> a little shocking. Two out of three folks who took the survey they picked the work from home flexibility over that thirty k bump in their pay. That's 
pretty crazy. That is crazy. Uh, those results come at the same time as more employers are actually working to get their employees back into the offices that have been closed for more than a year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough to get employees back into that 2019 mindset when they've, you know, they've been basking in the increased flexibility that working from home has offered them over the past 15 months. As I was kind of thinking through it as well, I was like, okay, yeah, there's no way I would choose to go in, even though $30,000 is a lot of money. But then I just realized too, that I'm going to have a hard time distinguishing working from home uh, from being my own boss and, and working for my own business, you know? And so the only time I've ever worked from home has always been because I was doing it for myself. I've had the double letter score, but then on top of that, I've kind of had like the, the triple word score going on at the <laughs> same time. Uh, and so like looking back, I know like there have been times and opportunities that I've turned down potential like great paying jobs with awesome benefits. Because just imagining myself having to get up at a certain time and go into work at a specific time, not having that flexibility kind of seriously bummed me out. So <laughs> it's something I just, yeah, tend to avoid, I guess. Yeah, it would have been interesting to, interested to see like how it would have changed as they maybe increased. Like, all right, what if, they, what if we give you $50,000? Cause at some point, yeah. you know, yeah, you, at some point you're going to say, okay, it is now worth it. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not totally sure where that would have been for me. Cause like, yeah, if you get, if it's 50,000, it's like, oh, Ooh. I become 401k millionaire much earlier Seriously, <laughs> than I otherwise oh, yeah. would. And I can. I can, you know, quit work altogether uh, yeah. earlier. But, yeah, that changes the game. Yeah, so interesting, interesting study there. And I think too, Matt, people will likely have the ability to push back on whatever work from home schedule their employer is saying uh, th- that they want to, to see happen this coming fall or you know maybe even sooner. It should look more, I think, like a negotiation than just an edict from your employer. And so I would say to all our listeners out there who maybe are starting to get like, uh, you know, emails from their employer saying, all right, it's time to come back in the office. Well, don't be afraid to ask for more than what they're offering. And as we've said before, since the job market is really hot right now, your ability to find similar work with another employer who's touting maybe like a better work from home policy really could be worth looking into if that's really important to you. Um, you might even get paid more too by switching jobs. So I would just say don't take that email as like Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments. Like <laughs> you don't necessarily, you're not, you, you don't have to necessarily abide by that um, if you have a well-reasoned conversation with your immediate supervisor. And you can always leave <laughs> if uh, it's that important to you. And for a lot of people, it is. It's understandable because Pandora's box has been opened and people are like, oh, no, no, I'm not going back to that former lifestyle. Um, and I, I totally understand that response. Yeah, it's hard to put that toothpaste back in the tube once it's come out, man. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're talking about the hot job market here, but there There are some folks out there who haven't been able to find suitable work. It's about to get even tougher for a lot of those people now. Uh, At least 24 states are dropping federal unemployment benefits. So if you are without a job and you've been receiving that additional pandemic unemployment assistance, that PUA, uh, do do you call it PUA or do you call it PUA? PUA. (laughs) It just sounds funny to say PUA. Uh, so, So know that, right? Depending on where you live you might not be getting it much longer. Many of uh, these states that are shutting down the PUA are facing a labor crunch. uh, And the leaders of those states believe that this is one of the best ways to solve that problem. Uh, And a lot of those states, too, are are dropping that assistance next month in June. Not in mid-June. Dude, heads up. uh, This is happening. That's right. So if you are receiving that... Find out uh, whether whether your state is going to keep keep paying that out or not, and and two like some some of those states 
aren't just attempting to pull out the rug, but they're also providing an incentive for folks to take some of the available jobs. That's how badly some of these states need workers to return. Arizona is one of a few states that's paying a bonus to workers who get back to work. For for example, folks who get employed on a full-time basis are going to get $2,000. Love it. And part-time workers are going to get a bonus of $1,000. That's so they're, great. Yeah, they're it's, not I love it. just <laughs> trying to remove. They're, they're, they're not just using a stick approach or using a carrot approach, too. Yeah, they got, they got both. Exactly. And, and Montana is doing something similar as well. So yeah, if your state is one of the ones dropping those increased payments, check to see if it's also adding that incentive to get back to work. Because yeah, you might even on top of that, get an additional sign up bonus from the employer that, mm-hmm. that you're that you're going to get, uh, get get hired by. Because a lot of employers are offering some sort of unique bonus right now yes, to bring yeah. people back. So maybe you get something from your state, something from your employer, uh, it could be a win win. Dude, It's all about these incentives, right? Like it's so it's gonna be so interesting to see how these different states how they fare after they try some of these programs as they get folks back to work. I mean, this it's like evidence that we're such money nerds, right? Like <laughs> that we're just excited to see what's actually going to happen. But that's definitely one of the benefits of states having this power, right? Because each one of these states is its own little experiment. And then down the road, economists can stop and they can look back at the data and that can help direct policy, you know, yeah. and, and that hopefully will lead to better results in the future. But uh, but yeah, we will see how all that pans out. And OK, so, man, earlier this week, we talked about traveling on the cheap with Nomadic Matt. So we talked with him on Monday as travel restrictions are easing up and uh, more folks are getting vaccinated. Travel is starting to look a whole lot more like it did back in 2019, uh, a little more so than 2020, uh, where nobody was doing any traveling. But there is one thing that we didn't discuss with Matt, uh, and that's the worst way possible to travel. We should ask him that question. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, hey, what do you think uh, folks should absolutely avoid doing? And it's not being too cheap. Uh, And in fact, this is uh, traveling this way. It's going to cost you way more than you think. And we're talking about timeshares. Dude, it is timeshare season. And uh, these companies that are out there are already out in full force. They're trying to sell you one. But don't take the bait. Don't bite. You want to avoid timeshares if you didn't already know that. Yeah. And Matt, you've been to a timeshare pitch yourself back I in the day. I have. Yep. And you, uh, <laughs> you you found the resolve not to <laughs> not to, not to bite. It was also very easy to find that resolve since I was broke right out of college. Uh, I mean, and the reason we were doing it is because we're getting that free breakfast yep. and a $100 Visa gift card <laughs> for our group. And so in our case, it made a lot of sense. But for most folks, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. it's Honestly, for most people, it's not even worth that freebie because yeah. of that just small potential <laughs> that that salesperson is so good that they overwhelm you into signing some papers, right? And the fact is that these policies are sold, not bought. Yeah. That's a key red flag. Yeah. I think. <laughs> like, w- when have you ever gone online to search timeshares? Never. <laughs> never. It's really only... Let's go perusing for the different timeshare options that are out there. Right. Oh, let's, let's see. It's only when you're on location somewhere oh and someone offers you something great and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come to this. Yep. I'll come to this presentation. And then you end up being coerced essentially if, into, into signing up for yep. one. Yeah, yeah. If there's a presentation, that's a red flag that this is probably something you want to avoid. It kind of makes me think of the different MLM presentations and right. parties. It's just like, okay, if this was so attractive and was going to be such a benefit to my finances, then why do you have to throw a party and sell me on it? This should be something that I'm seeking out. Nobody's seeking out timeshares. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think another red flag is that the value of a newly bought timeshare plummets more than the value of a new car when you drive it off the lot. So so yeah, you buy something that's, let's say, fifteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars, and it's immediately worth you know, next to nothing. Uh, and so, yeah, if you're traveling somewhere nice and someone tells you that you can get a freebie for going to a timeshare presentation, don't 
bother. It's a waste of your time. And if you end up buying one, you're going to be stuck with it along with the associated fees uh, for years to come because the resale market is almost non-existent. Like I said, what you pay for it, that value plummets. It's worth next to nothing or less than nothing in many yeah. cases. Sometimes people have to pay other people to take their timeshare off their hands yeah. because of those recurring fees that happen every single year uh, once you've made that purchase. Yeah, because you're stuck with that debt obligation. And so if you made a mistake in your past, maybe before you came across how to money, before you realized that a timeshare wasn't the thing for you. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to judge you, not at all. But And we want to help you. <laughs> uh, you can try to check out uh, Timeshare Users Group. There's a website online uh, where you could you know, exchange good tips and ideas. But you can also list your property there. Uh, you can also check out the site Vacatia uh, as well. We'll link to both of those in our show notes. But more than likely, you'll have to actually give your timeshare away because nobody wants to actually buy those. But in many cases, giving it away, it's actually going to be worth it because, you know, being able to escape those fees, being able to reclaim some of that money that was going towards this property that you're allowed to use at different you know points in the year, it would be a huge money win. It would be totally worth it for you to unload that property. Yeah, timeshares are like a financial leech on your skin. Ugh, you know, yeah. it's it's rough. Was leeches. that too too graphic? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought about leeches recently because a friend there, uh, she she took her daughters to this like spot that we've been to before, uh, where the kids can play in like a, this little river. And then I saw another friend comment on that post, and she said, "Hey, that's where my kids got leeches on their feet." Uh oh, which totally made me when you when you mentioned the leeches, I immediately thought about leeches possibly on my kids' feet, which <laughs> totally grossed me out. That's so gross. yeah, it did kind of. That's why I made that face. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's going to do it for this episode. For, for folks that want the show notes for this episode and the links to some of the sites that we mentioned, we'll have those up on our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah. And if you come across an interesting story uh, that you see in the news that you think maybe we should talk about here on the show, uh, you can send that to us. You can email it to us at howtomoneypod at gmail.com. If this is your first time listening to the show, we would love it if you were to hit subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, coming up on Monday, we've got an Ask How to Money episode, and that's where we answer listener questions, some great questions that y'all have sent in. So I'm looking forward to that episode. We hope everyone has a beautiful weekend. And Joel, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.